Well, good morning, Harrison Faith. Um, an exciting morning. Uh, I'm going to try not to meddle because sometimes I'm like a squirrel on steroids. I kind of like my mind goes everywhere and I've committed in my heart that I'm going to try to stay on track with my sermon this morning. Uh, but I'm excited to speak with you for just a moment. And the title of my sermon, if you'd like to take uh, notes and if you are a person who likes to have titles, uh, it is simply Speak. And uh, Mother Teresa said that God speaks in the silence of the heart. Listening is the beginning of prayer. So a few, for a few moments today, I want to talk to you about God speaking to us and, God, <clears throat> and us hearing God's voice. Something that I've always struggled with a little bit in my ministry because you always hear preachers a lot saying, well, God told me this and God told me that. And I'm like, man, God doesn't tell me jack. So sometimes I'm like, am I even supposed to be a minister? Am I supposed to be preaching? Am I supposed to be a youth pastor? Am I supposed to be doing this? Because I'm, I'm like, I'm not hearing any voices of God telling me to do this and do that. Uh, so hopefully today, what I'm about to bring forth, I hope it helps you to realize that God speaks to all of us. And we have to learn to recognize God's voice. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 3 through 11. I'm going to read those right quick. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel rose, went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. He answered, I did not call. My son, lie down again. <clears throat> now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. Then he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord. For your servant hears, so Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. I thought this was pretty cool because... I've told you before when I read the scripture, I like to get into it, think about being in that position, being in that place, being a young person, laying down, and thinking about, now the Lord came and stood. And it gives me chills even to present it to you. Sometimes I think if we, we take for granted when we come into the house of God and we have these moments like we just had up here in this altar. You know, I was excited to see, because we have our prayer team that comes up. This is my heart. Brother Scott may have a totally different heart. But this is my heart. We have our prayer leaders and our prayer team, which I think is fantastic, and I thank you for your service, and I thank you that God has called you to do that. But it excites my heart when I see people come out of the pews and begin to come up here, and we begin to pray with one another. You know, we all the time we're talking about being a family and being one, and we are a family in Christ, but I know if my dad calls me for help, I'm going. I don't say, okay, good luck, Dad. You know, I show up, so when someone comes up here, it's usually a cry for help, either for them or for someone else. So anyways, I was excited to see that. I encourage you to do it more. 
And I'm guilty as anyone of sometimes sitting in my pew and doing different things, and I had making 50 excuses why I can't come up here and pray with someone. Really, we don't have any. And sometimes you're like, well, I'm not holy enough, I'm not pure enough, I'm not this, I'm not that, I got all this stuff going on, I got all this, own, I, got all my, I got my own sins I got to deal with. You know, I shouldn't be up there praying for someone. You know, sometimes it's just comforting to have someone lay their hand on you. You don't have to have some great theological words or prayer or anything else, but sometimes it's just nice to know that somebody's there with you. Sorry, that was the squirrel moment. So, which leads me to my first point, which is a great segue, because blocking out distractions. If you want to hear from God, the number one thing I feel like we have to do is we've got to block out the distractions of life. So Samuel, he was lying down. So he went to bed, and he's lying down, and the distractions have been put away. So he's in this moment. He had not learned yet to hear or recognize the voice of God. And, I know, and we'll get to that in a minute, so I won't skip to that point. But he had to block out the distractions of the day. God had, he went to lay down, so God had waited until uh, Samuel was in a moment where there was no distractions around. So thinking about today and the life that we live in, do you struggle with distractions? Instagram, Facebook, crap chat, TV, work. As you can tell, I'm not a fan of Snapchat. I hate that app. I'm all for deleting it. Uh, never mind. I'm not squirreling. I looked it up. People watch about four hours of TV per day, and Instagram and Snapchat, Snapchat, see, I can't even hardly call it Snapchat. I hate it so bad, was about one hour per day. And uh, it's funny because on the way to the church, I got my weekly report. Did anybody get their weekly report on their iPhone this morning? And it said I had 58 minutes of screen time. And I was like, well, that figures. <laughs> you know, kind of went along with the sermon. But the devil has done a fantastic job of consuming our life with stuff and busyness and going and doing. Now, see, my guilty thing is I work all the time. And... Um, Sometimes I like working, sometimes I don't. But my day usually starts between 5 and 5.30, so I can go and chop ponds and do the farm thing and do that. And then I go and I work all day at FedEx, and then after I get off at FedEx, some of you have probably yelled at me when I'm officiating basketball games, which is quite fine. I don't take it personal, and I probably did blow it, which is okay. So we have all these distractions in life, and I was watching TV last night, and this guy on the TV show, whatever it was, he was talking about how people are running and busy and busy, and it showed these people in New York, and they're just passing each other on the street. And he said, I guess that's why they call us the human race, because we're always racing from place to place to place to place. And I think that's what we do, and sometimes we forget to block out the distractions and find God, because we've filled our life up. So I'm guilty. Man, when I go from 5 a.m. and I get home between 10.30 to 11, I eat supper and take a shower, and it's time to go to bed, and I got to get up at 5 again, do you think I feel like reading my Bible? Do you think I really give God his allotted time and I'm praying like I'm supposed to be praying because I've got all this stuff going in my mind? I'm already starting to plan for the next day. I'm looking through my emails on my phone so that when I walk into FedEx, I know exactly what I got to do the next day, what's going to be on my plate. So I've got all these distractions. But where's God? I want him to speak to me. Do some of you want God to speak with you today? Some of you right now, you're like squirrels. Your mind is not here. You're not hearing a word I'm saying. You're out. It's not personal. I don't take it personal. Sometimes when people are up here preaching, I don't hear what they're saying either. You know? Or you got to love social media. Your phone will buzz. Instagram will pop up. 
notifying you that somebody posted something three days ago, but it acts like they just posted it, and you got to go see it. So while I'm up here preaching, you're scrolling. <laughs> you're like, this is much better than him, right? <laughs> so we have all these distractions in life, but do you know that Jesus experienced distractions as well? Luke 4 and 42 says, Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. So think about being Jesus. You know, he had to get away so that he could focus on his father, so that he could spend time in his presence, so that he could hear his father's voice, because he went around healing people. He went around casting out demons and doing these different things. Can you imagine if he walked into the hospital and like started walking through the rooms and healing people? What do you think would happen? Man, word's going to spread. Somebody's going to be on their Snapchat. Somebody's going to be texting. They're going to be sending messages. Hey, we got this dude healing everybody. You need to get up here. So if you can imagine the masses, and they didn't have modern medicine like we have today, so they didn't have hospitals to go to and doctors and different things. So when someone was sick and they heard about a prophet being in town and somebody being healed, they went. They went to see. So Jesus was thronged with people, and they had people all the, around him, and he's trying to do the ministry, but he has to get off, and he has to get to be alone so that he can hear his father's voice. So talking about distractions, I want to give you just a little bit of example of something in my personal life. Because I never get distracted. I'm totally focused 100% all the time. But sometimes at home, and I want you to visualize this can be the refrigerator or it can be the cabinet, either one. And all, well, people have it organized in a certain way canned goods here, noodles here, chips here, bread here, right? You got your different things in there. I am the world's worst. I can ask him where something is at in that cabinet. And she will tell me, you know, it's on the second shelf on the left-hand side on top of the tomato paste or whatever. I'm like, who remembers that? But in my mind, the only thing I heard because my mind is so distracted is it's in the cabinet. So I will go to the cabinet and I'm like, this is easy. I open it up and I look, oh, I look for three seconds, shut the door. It's not there. And she will harumph. And come in there and say, that's right here where I told you it was at. But I had all these distractions that I couldn't block out, so I really wasn't hearing what she was saying. I just heard cabinet, and then I dismissed her. So we deal with all these distractions in life. How can we hear the voice of God when we are so distracted by everything in life that we can't hear? Point two. I'm trying to do a three-point sermon today, and... Caleb even complimented me. He's like, I can actually understand your notes. Because, never mind, you don't want to see my notes. You wouldn't want to hear me preach anymore. <clears throat> Second one, recognize God's voice. So at first, Samuel didn't recognize God's voice because sometimes it might may take you time to know God's voice. You have to learn how to recognize God's voice. I mean, here, Samuel has been in the, in the, the temple He's been with Eli. Eli's teaching him the word of God. And I mean, they learn the word of God. Like they could quote it chapters after chapter after chapter. I mean, they really studied the word of God. But yet Eli hadn't had that personal experience where he heard God's voice. <clears throat> Do you ever, that distraction, I heard it right there. Squirrel moment. Shut that thing off, I'm telling you. All right. Do you ever hear a voice in your head at times telling you to do something or to not do something? John 10 and 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here, let me give it to you something, something really simple. You have this voice in your head, and sometimes you hear these things. 
This is one way to know, is this God or is this me? The devil will never tell you to do something good. Right? So you see the little old lady crossing the street, and someone tells you, this little voice in your head says, go trip her. Probably not God. Right? But maybe you hear a voice in your mind that says, you know what, I should go help her across the street, or I should help her load her groceries Maybe God's telling you to bless that woman by doing something for her. So the devil will never tell you to do something good. Let's for say that God didn't tell you to help that old lady across the street, and you just did it because you had a thought in your head. Have you done anything wrong? Does it matter? But I think God speaks to us sometimes in our minds, and we just don't listen. I'll give you a prime example. 5 a.m., going to chop ponds. It's been snowing, right? We've had the snowstorms. Oh, love snowstorms as a farmer. And the, cold, the colder it is, the more I like it because I get to go chop ponds and they're two or three inches thick and it's, oh, so much fun. The farm life. Like sometimes I see like teenage kids say, they'll post on Instagram, they'll have like a chicken with them. They're like, farm life. I'm like, you don't have a clue what farm life is. Your mom and dad got you a pet chicken and you think you're a farmer. <clears throat> Good night. Get out here at 5 a.m. with an axe and a shovel chopping ponds, and I'll show you what farm life's all about. So, anyways, this is one pond by our house. I always pull off in a ditch, and it's a little bit of a steep ditch, but I have a four-wheel drive. No big deal. I got this. And as I pull off into this ditch, it's all drifted up across the fence, and it's probably somewhere between 10 and 12 feet deep. Not really. More like 8 or 10 inches, but... I have a four-wheel drive. This is no big deal. So I whip off in the ditch down in the snow, and I get down in there, and it's still in the, hearing this voice in my head that says, keep driving. You need to pull right back out of this ditch. And I'm like, ah, I got this. Not only did I pull down in the ditch, I backed up in the ditch because I wasn't as close to the gate that I wanted to be. You know, I saved myself two steps. So I go down there, and I start chopping the pond. I chop it away, get it, you know, get the ice out of the way so the cows can drink. I come back, put it in gear, and it starts spinning. I'm like, hold on, this is four-wheel drive. This doesn't happen. 30 to 45 minutes later of shoveling, the truck is still stuck in the ditch, not going anywhere. And at 5 a.m., no one drives by to help you. So I'm going to get my phone. Oh, yeah. When I got ready to leave this morning, there was this voice that said, you should get your phone. I'm like, I never need my phone. So I left my phone at home. So now not only am I stuck in the ditch, I get to walk home in five degree wind chill weather after shoveling for 30 to 45 minutes because I'm not listening to the voices in my head that are telling me to do these things. Sometimes I think God speaks to us and we just don't listen. Maybe you're not guilty like I am. God just doesn't speak to this person and this person. I, we as people, or maybe it's just me, I'll say me, I tend to like rank people in their spiritual walk. There's like my mama, and then there's Ken's mama, and then there's like everybody else, tears down through there. And I always feel like I'm at the bottom. Anybody else ever feel that way? Like, you're spiritual, like, I suck. You know, you're just like, I'm not holy enough. I don't even know why God has it. You know, I think you're the people that God wants to use the most because you have a humbleness in your heart. 
You know, you know where you came from. You know your roots. I know the sins in my life. I know the mistakes I've made. Am I going to blab them all to you? No. But I know what they are, and I deal with them, and I struggle with them, and I fight them. But here's one thing I can promise you. God speaks to everyone if you read his word. We want to hear God's voice, but we don't want to read the word. That's work. You know, and this is where sometimes I get distracted by the distractions. I don't work three jobs because I have to. Farming, I do because I married into it. Thank you, Kim. Um, No, actually, I sort of enjoy it sometimes. I work at FedEx to make a living for my family. And then I ref just because it's fun to me. I know that sounds stupid, people yelling at you being fun, but... I love basketball, I enjoy the game, so I don't even notice the idiots screaming at me. It's just fun. So I'm the one who's consuming all my time in life. And then I go and I read my Bible for like three minutes before I go to bed. And then I'm crying, God, speak to me. And he's like, you haven't read my word enough to even know, to recognize my voice. If you want to be able to recognize God's voice, immerse yourself into the word of God and begin to apply yourself. You know, Brock, you said that God's going to use you through this. God's going to use you. I encourage you to use this time to immerse yourself in the word of God and to read it and study it because you're going to have more time on your hands than you ever want. But God's going to heal you. You'll be fine. You'll be back to normal. You'll be as strong as ever. You're going to face some challenges, most of them being mental because no young man likes to be strapped down. But use it to focus on God, to immerse yourself in his word, and then listen to his words to speak to your heart. It is important that we know and hear God's voice for the words of God reveal the will of God. And I missed one point, point, so sorry, Suzanne, but I do want to mention this because I missed it earlier. Here's one other way to know God's voice. God's word will never contradict scripture, right? Sometimes... You know, it's like the little white lie. You know, and an analogy I always use, and Kim gets on to me, it's like when someone comes up and they're somewhat overweight and they're like, you know, am I fat? Oh, no, not at all. Me? Yeah, you probably need to get on the treadmill. You're like, what? That's not lying. Or how about this one? How many, and don't raise your hand because I know some of you are guilty. You go into Hudson's and you're looking to buy some grapes. Uh, I'm just going to try that one. Oh, nope, those aren't good. Let me try one more. Is that not stealing? I mean, hey, live by your own convictions. I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm not eating that great. <clears throat> I'm not, t- now I might squeeze them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're like mushy. I'm leaving those grapes, but they're kind of firm. Like, yeah, that's my bag right there. So watch out for COVID because I'm squeezing the grapes. But we justify things in our minds, and let me tell you, God's word will never contradict his word. So if something's coming in your mind, you feel like God's speaking to you, and it contradicts God's words, I can promise you, it is not God's voice speaking to you. Third point, listen. Samuel waited for God to speak again. Eli told him, he said, go lay down, he said, this time, just say, God, here am I. Man, how many times in life do we need to say, God, here am I? 
We're getting ready to have an altar call here in a minute. Some of you need God to speak to your heart. You're like, I, I feel like I need God to speak to me. And, but it's going to take action. You know, Samuel had to go lay down before God. I think some of us need to lay down on these altars, me included. You know, we've been talking about a long time how we want to have a revival in Harrison Faith. I want to ask you, are you prepared for a move of God? Because when a move of God comes, there could be some crazy things happening in this church that maybe you're not used to. Maybe you're like, I grew up Baptist. I don't care if you grew up Baptist. I'm saying God's God. And if you need to be open, regardless of how you grew up, to the experience and the movement of God, it doesn't mean you have to act like other people or do different things. That doesn't matter. You worship God how you want to worship God. But we have to learn how to hear God's voice, and that's going to be, require us to listen. 1 Samuel 3 and 11 said, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. Now, this wasn't actually a good prophecy, because if you read the rest of the scriptures, it was essentially God telling Eli that he was going to kill Samuel's sons because they were taking advantage of the house of God, and they were not serving him like they were supposed to. But in Jeremiah 33 and 3, he says, call to me, and I will answer you. Notice it said call. You call to me, and I will answer you. So our first step is we are going to need to call out to God if we want him to speak into our hearts. He says, I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Are you prepared for a revival in Harrison faith? Are you prepared that you might have to sit by somebody who smells because we're shoulder to shoulder and this place is packed out? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to feel something come down from heaven that you're not used to experiencing? All of a sudden you have this flood of emotions and you don't know what to do with them because you're like, I've never felt this before. It's called the presence of God. Are you prepared for that? Because if not, you, be, you need to begin to prepare because I believe with all my heart, all my heart, that if we will cry out, that God will answer and he will speak to us. When God speaks, oftentimes his voice will call for us. This is Charles Stanley. When God speaks, oftentimes his voice will call for an act of courage on our part. Stand to your feet. So last week we voted in a new pastor. I, I hope you're excited. I'm excited. I want to see what he's got in store for us. But even more so than what Brother Scott has in store for us, I'm excited about what God has in store for us. Here's one of my challenges for you. And I know there is a ton of y'all involved in ministry. I think we have an absolute amazing church that does so many different ministries. First thing I will tell you about doing ministries is don't do too many. Do one or two and do it well. Because you can burn yourself out. And we have a church of three, four hundred people. I think we can spread the love around. Right? Charles Stanley said, when God speaks, oftentimes his voice will call for an act of courage on our part. It could be a simple act of courage. Sometimes for you, an act of courage could be simply coming to this altar. Because I can remember, it wasn't always easy for me. What are people going to think? What are they going to That's not God speaking to you. That's the devil speaking to you. 
know what the devil's greatest fear is? Well, he's got a lot of them. His greatest fear is God, Jesus. But also, his greatest fear is that God might speak into your heart, into your life. But he doesn't mind that. But what if you act on it? What if you do something with God has called you to do? What if you do a ministry of motocross? He doesn't want you doing that. We don't preach the word of motocross. We don't preach at Cowboy Church. We don't, no. But what if? What if you do your hope message? What does God have in store for you? I know you've been down, and I know this drives you crazy, and you've even said this yourself. Kevin's kind of loving it, but no, I'm just kidding. Use it as a time for God to speak into your heart. Listen. So first we have to block out the distractions, right? We have to learn to recognize God's voice. Remember, God's voice will never contradict God's word. <clears throat> and then we have to listen, which may require you to do something. We have a pastor coming. I haven't spoken to him, but I know he has a vision for our church. Just by listening to him speak the other night, listening to his daughter speak, his wife speak, I have no doubt he's the right man for our church. And I thought as I was preparing this sermon, um, as I was preparing this sermon and I was thinking about getting a new pastor and I'm all excited about it, I thought what better time for us as a church and I just learned this morning from Brother Scott, we got 30 days to prepare, right? He's coming on March 6th. We don't know what the vision is, but we're gonna get a vision. We're gonna find out where God wants us to lead. God has a vision. It's that every soul should be saved. So you're like, what should I do for you, God? Well, I can make a simple witness. God's word said go, right? That's pretty simple. It's not Clint speaking to you. It's just the word of God, him speaking, saying go. But I think we need to begin to prepare our hearts so that when God begins to speak, that we have the capability to recognize and listen to God's voice and we need to begin to go and do. And that's when we'll see this place fill up. And I don't, I don't care about the numbers. I mean, you're like, do numbers matter? Sure they do. Why do they matter? Just so we can say, oh, well, we got more people than whatever church. No. We're not on competition with other churches. The only person we're competing against is the devil. Every soul that we can take away from him is one less soul that goes to hell. We win. Whether it be this church, whether it be First Assembly, First Baptist, I don't care, just so that we're going and bringing people with us to heaven. That needs to be our goal. That needs to be our vision, and that needs to be our message. You're like, what do you got going on at Harrison Faith? We got lots of things going on, but the main thing we got going on is Jesus. And we serve him and we worship him. Sometimes we even raise our hands. Sometimes we might even shout. Not very often. This is the quietest Pentecostal church I know. <laughs> Poor Brother Scott, he was up here last week and he's thinking, man, I suck. These guys haven't said amen one time and I'm back there thinking, get used to it, brother. We don't ever say amen. If you hear us say amen, you have done something. But we need to begin to pursue God with a heart and a desire and a passion to see him move. I said earlier, some of you, you said you need God. When I said this, you, your heart pricked. When I said that you need God to speak to your heart, 
God was speaking to you at that moment. When you felt that flutter in your heart, God was speaking to you because you need to hear his voice. Now is your opportunity in time. I will pray with you, and there is other people that will pray with you. If you feel, get ready, if you feel like you need to hear something, and it doesn't have to be, like, we always worry about, we, we're afraid, like, people think we're sinning if we come to the altar. It's not that. It's just a place to meet God, and it's an act of reverence of saying, God, with all the pride in my life, I strip it down before you, because when I become before you, I have no pride. I am willing to come and lay my sacrifice on the altar for you. I don't care what any man, I don't care what any woman thinks. I've told the youth many, many times, you'll see me cry in church and I have no shame in it. Now, if I go out here and twist my ankle and you see me cry, slap me. Men don't do that. But when you come before God, come before him with a humbleness and a hunger saying, God, I need to hear from you. And I promise you, if you will listen, God will speak to you in your heart, in your moment, whatever it may be. So if that's you and you need to hear from God, now's your moment right now. You should be moving now. And if no one needs to hear from God, well, God bless you. You're in a better place than I am. This is your moment. This is your time. Let's pray. Prayer lurkers, you be looking for people to pray with. If you're not a prayer leader, I don't care. You be looking for someone to pray with. If you're not the one that needs to hear from God, then you lay your hand on someone else and you help them hear from God. This is your time.